Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week in the studio. The first in a series of candidates for Bloomington City Council. It's an election year. I'd like to welcome Kate Rosenbarger in. Kate, thank you for being on Big Talk. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much for having me here. Now, Kate is a first-time political candidate. She is not a first-time veteran of political campaigns. We'll get into that. She's running in the Democratic primary for City Council District 1. She's running against longtime incumbent Chris Sturbaum. Chris Sturbaum's been around, and that looks like a, quite a tall order. Yeah, Chris has been in office since 2003, and I think it's time to get some new blood in there and time for change. So it's definitely a challenge, but I'm up for that. As I uh, indicated, Kate has been involved in political campaigns. For goodness sake, she goes as far back as 2002 when she worked uh, for the Barron Hill campaign. Barron Hill was my first campaign here in Bloomington. I was in college and I I came on board as a field representative. So I spent a lot of my time organizing door-to-door walks and also going door-to-door to talk to voters myself. I understand from talking to a lot of political veterans that knocking on doors, there's nothing better. Face-to-face meeting. I would say 100%. You're uh, with that? Absolutely. So what it, are you going to do regarding that in this campaign? My goal is to knock on as many doors as possible in my district I have worked on a lot of campaigns, and they have all been federal. So this is the smallest constituency I've ever worked with, which mm-hmm. really um, is a really good thing for me because I love getting out there. I love knocking doors, meeting new people, and really listening to what what residents in my neighborhoods have to say, right, listening to their ideas and concerns. So I like that I have a manageable group of people to talk to and I'll be at the doors all the time. So I assume you've started doing this already. You've been knocking on doors. I have been meeting with residents. Okay. What are they saying? You know, I've heard I've heard a lot of different things. What I hear from people in my district is that they don't see a lot of their representative and some people don't feel very represented. So I think it's a good time to be out there engaging folks who maybe don't know who their representative is or don't really know how city council works for them. Well, you've uh, you've made a couple of promises regarding that. One of the promises being you'll have monthly constituent meetings at rotating sites. And another is is that you'll actually take neighborhood walks and saying when you're in office, you'll be knocking on doors just to say, hi, what's going on? Right. I think it's a special time in our country with so many people feeling divided and left out that I think it's really important that in our small races, right, and and with our our local elected officials, that people really get to engage with their representative and they get to know their representative and they get to see how their local government is working for them. I think that's a way to inspire people to vote and to get people to understand that government works for them and cares about them. And so that's why I made those pledges so Mm -hmm. that people know that's the kind of person I am. I like to be out there. I like to be engaging. I like to be listening. And 
as a city council person, I feel that it's my job to hear what everyone has to say and take their ideas and concerns to city council. So I really see it as a big team. The district as residents, we're all on a big team and that my job on that team is to take everyone's ideas and concerns to city council. Those sound like good pledges. The only problem I see with them is that being a city council person under state law means you're a part-timer. You actually have to have a full-time job. You have to have a day job, believe it or not. That's going to be a lot to fit in. I do think it's a lot of work, but I really thrive on being a busy person. Uh-huh. So I work well when my days are really booked. I I work hard in my day job, and that has flexible hours. So I think that really lends itself well to splitting splitting my time between my full-time job and my part-time job. Now, we're going to get into what your jobs uh, are and were and what you hope they will be come uh, November. <laughs> Actually, January is when you, January 1st is when you would be inaugurated if you win. But before that, let's talk about some of the things that you think are most important regarding this first district and the city of Bloomington. Mm-hmm. So some of the things, Kate, that uh, you're most interested in and you think are very important are, number one, well, in no particular order, I should say, affordable housing, transportation options, responsible development, social equity, sustainability and climate change. As a matter of fact, I found a quote here somewhere. Someone on social media had described you as a strong advocate for climate justice. Let's go back to the top of the list. Affordable housing. What can you do to make that a reality? Affordable housing, that phrase really means subsidized housing. Uh-huh. Housing affordability is in in the market having options that people can buy right outside of being subsidized. Yeah. So yeah. having homes of all different income levels. I think it's important as an elected official that we we do our part to have housing options for people of all income levels, right? So I think it's important that we sustain the the uniqueness and the special neighborhoods that we have while also welcoming families of all income levels to live alongside each other. We want to be friendly to families and young professionals. Speaking about housing issues, I I will say you have some some interesting experience uh, in that. Uh, Over in Washington, D.C., you worked for an organization called NeighborWorks America. You were the success measures manager there. What did NeighborWorks America do? What was its raison d'etre? So NeighborWorks America is a national nonprofit funded by Congress, and we we gave grants and technical assistance to a network of community development and affordable housing nonprofits across the country. So I like to describe us as a lesser HUD, mm-hmm. um, offering more expertise and more, I would say, advice and assistance for nonprofits doing affordable housing. I worked with 240 communities across the country to help residents there determine their neighborhood strengths Mm. and to 
figure out what was missing from their neighborhoods, and then to set goals for improvement. So one great project we did with residents, the residents did a questionnaire to everyone in the neighborhood, and it came back that a lot of folks weren't feeling proud of where they lived. Hmm. And the specific thing people cited was that front porches were falling apart. Yeah. And so they worked with a nonprofit to get a grant to improve front porches. Mm-hmm. And so with that survey, they were able to see, hey, we can increase resident pride by doing some fixes on front porches, right? And just really make people feel better about where they live. Yeah, it's interesting because lots of uh, cities have done uh, uh, neighborhood projects. Uh, for instance, making sure storefronts were renovated and painted and made to look good rather than falling down. It it has a lot to do with everybody in the neighborhood's mood and feel for the place. Even uh, uh, planting flowers helps. Right, right. Curb appeal is important, too. And I think you'll see as, as we continue talking that this job, like my new job and, and like my pledges for city council, I have a theme that I like to engage residents, right? And yeah. so working with the nonprofits to see how residents felt about their neighborhoods was really important because it is about the people living there and it's about helping them create the neighborhood they want to feel safe to feel proud, and to be able to get around easily, right, and afford a home there. How do you feel about your neighborhood? I love my neighborhood. I live close to downtown, and I walked here this morning, and I love my small streets and that I know a lot of my neighbors. That's that small-town appeal of Bloomington. Are we losing it at all? I would say no. I don't think we're losing our small town appeal. I think we can always be working to feel, to make our community feel small town and to feel safe. Mm-hmm. So I think as more people are moving into urban areas, it's important to think about where do we put people? How do we put people here in sustainable ways that helps them get around easily, right? And helps them get everything done in their day, like go to the grocery, pick up their kids from school. So I think that Bloomington still feels very small town. Well, speaking of getting around, your second issue is transportation options. What do you mean by that? I think that we need a transportation system that lets people choose how they get around, whether they walk, bike, ride, or drive. Mm-hmm. And So how is it not doing that? Today. Right now, I think a lot of people are scared to get on bikes uh-huh. because our infrastructure favors cars Right, where people don't feel safe getting in a road with cars. Mm-hmm. If we had protected bike lanes on some major routes, I think more people would ride bikes. Sort of like that nice bike lane that's on 3rd Street by the campus. Oh, between Jordan and uh, the downtown area, there's a bike lane there. Yeah, interesting you mentioned that one. There is a bike lane that's not protected. Uh It has a stripe on the ground. Yeah. And that bike lane is 
actually known for having a lot of drop-offs, car vehicle drop-offs for right. in that in that lane. So, they pull over to the side and and they block the bike right, lane. Right. Yeah. So that is a, an excellent example of where a protected bike lane yeah. would help cyclists get around and encourage more people to jump on their bike to head downtown or around campus. Going further in your list of issues is uh, responsible development. Well, boy, oh boy, development, boy, that's sure the issue uh, in Bloomington these days. We've now got mini canyons along Walnut and College and many other things that people are, quite frankly, complaining about. So responsible development to me is sustainable development and equitable development. I think we need to take some deep dives into what we want Bloomington to be, right? And really make sure we are looking at all of the options as well as all of the consequences of building new apartments and commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. So you'd be working with the planning department and uh, studying these issues? Right, exactly. I I think we have a, a wonderful town here where we have a lot of skill and expertise in our community. And we have a lot of people who can bring ideas and their talents to really make sure we're getting to the right place. Responsible development to me really goes into the sustainability and climate change part of my issues, yeah. I would say, that sometimes we... You know, we sign off on buildings or garages without thinking about the impact 10 years down the road or 40 years down the road. And Mm -hmm. I think that we owe it to our kiddos and to ourselves to make sure we're preserving this place for future generations. As you know, we we have the issue with the 4th Street Garage just across the street from this studio, which is now sitting empty because uh, the council decided rather than knock it down and build a new one, we're going to be repairing it. Uh, Where did you stand on that issue? So I attended some of the city council meetings around the the bonds for the two parking garages. Yeah. I was on the side of repairing the 4th Street garage. From the get-go? After, right, yes. After looking at the engineering study Uh and the parking study, it, it seemed like the most financially sound option to explore those repair options. And mm-hmm. I, I think that is now what the city is doing. Yes. Yeah. So you're on board with that. As we go on, social equity is, uh, is an issue for you. What is social equity? Let's start with first questions. Social equity to me is the idea that We need to bring everyone along in all of our city decisions, that no group should be left out and no group should be left behind. Interestingly enough, a neighbor from your district uh, is talking about the way things are going in District 1, and this person has the opinion and says that a lot of his neighbors have this same opinion, that city monies go to the Prospect Hill neighborhood but not to the other neighborhoods of District 1. Have you heard that? Have you found that at all? Talking to residents in the district, I I have heard that some folks outside of Prospect Hill and even some folks in Prospect Hill feel like 
they get a little more bang for their buck than other mm-hmm. neighborhoods in the district. And mm-hmm. that is definitely one of the reasons why I stepped up to run. Mm-hmm. I think everyone deserves fair representation. And I think everyone deserves to be heard. So I'm running to be available to everyone and responsible to everyone in, in District 1. Sustainability and climate change, Kate. This is Bloomington. Climate change is all over the world. What can we do about it? That's a great question. I think Bloomington really has the opportunity and the obligation to do our part to help reduce climate change. So I think that as a city council person, we need to make every decision through a sustainability lens. And that is because climate change is a real problem, right? And we should be doing our part here. It's also the case that climate change impacts are linked to social, economic, and and racial justice. Yeah, yeah. So communities across the country are feeling these impacts with low-income people and people of color being hit the hardest. By making our decisions through a sustainability lens, we have the opportunity to increase access for everyone to have safe, affordable housing and for people to choose how they get around. I was talking with some neighbors uh, not long ago who live near the J&B recycling center and that whole operation over northwest of the downtown uh, area. They feel that places like that are almost intentionally put in poor neighborhoods because if they were put in rich neighborhoods, the rich wouldn't stand for it. And that basically talks about, you know, our multi-tiered system here in the United States, our multi-tiered economic system. My thought on that is I would love to talk to those people and I would love to be a voice for them because I think a lot of times low-income people are working so hard to make ends meet that they don't have time mm-hmm. to be heard. They don't have time to come to city council meetings. And Some people work two and three jobs. Some people work three jobs. Some people work Wednesday nights, right? And yeah. some people have to come home and watch their kids. And so I, I think it's really important to be out there talking to residents. And that's why I want to have monthly meetings in rotating locations. And I want to continue to knock doors because I think for a lot of people, I need to go to them. Yeah. Because they don't have time to come to me mm-hmm. and um, help them have their voices be heard. So let's find out about Kate Rosenberger. You're a native of New Albany, Indiana? New Albany. Yeah. Yes. Born in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, you were? Yes. I like to say I was born a Southern Belle and <laughs> grew up in New Albany, Indiana. Lived downtown on Main Street and went ah. to New Albany High School. Now, your father was a city planner. Was he a city planner for the city of New Albany? Yes. So he has worked for the city of New Albany almost since he was out of college, and he's still there. So ah. he's had all different sorts of titles and always worked in the mayor's office. Uh huh. Your mother was a teacher. Yes. Started in elementary school. Ah. And then moved to middle school and taught English, reading, and writing. Uh Uh-huh. Now, speaking of going to school, you're a New Albany High School graduate. Then you went right on to Indiana University. What did you study there? 
At IU, I went to SPIA and yeah. got a BS in policy analysis there. Mm-hmm. So you have been interested in these things, city issues, political issues, for a long time. That's right. I would say from a very young age, I learned what it's like to be a public servant and to care about people in your neighborhood, right? My with the dad as as a city planner, I remember I must have been in kindergarten or first grade where he was home at dinner and it was in the winter and it was really, really cold that night and he was stressed and mom said there was a family that went to our school and their furnace went out and he was trying to help them and couldn't. And so that was sort of my first thought about, oh, you know, we care for other people. We we do things to help everyone. He set the example in a sense for you. Huh? Mm-hmm. After you were at uh, Indiana University undergrad, it looks like uh, you had some uh, some aspirations there. The do you law mean school? going to law school? Yeah. Right. Okay. I took a year off in between, uh-huh. which was pretty fun. I ended up working on Jerry Brown's attorney general campaign out in California. Uh-huh. Uh, that was really amazing. Just an icon and a hero of the 70s, right? So, yeah. Um, he did a lot of great things for California. Then I came back and went to, yes, uh, Mauer School of Law, where I spent three and a half years there. I took a semester off to work for the AFL-CIO to help elect Barack Obama in 2008. As I understand it, you don't practice law. At this time. So what was your goal in becoming a lawyer? I went to law school to learn to think like a lawyer yeah, and to write like a lawyer. Uh-huh. So I was very interested in learning to research and to interview and to listen and then to synthesize information into a communication that was readable for anyone. So in other words, it was like a, a practice for life. Right. That's great. <laughs> yes. So as I said, you worked in Washington, D.C. You just told us you worked over in the West Coast. Uh, You've you've crisscrossed this nation. Yeah, I like to say that I've bloomeranged multiple times. (laughs) That's right, the famous old line about Bloomington. Right now, I understand you're serving as the executive director of TEDx Bloomington, the first ever. How did that come about? Oh, yes. So as I was wrapping up with the Liz campaign... Ted Axe Bloomington was looking to, so Ted has been run by a volunteer board of directors since it started in 2010, and they've been doing great work and putting on a big event almost every year at the Buzzkirk Chumley. And after this last year in 18, the board got together and said, okay, look, let's, let's think about expanding our presence here in Bloomington and bringing more ideas to Bloomington. And so they approached me to see if I was interested in this role, and it sounded like a wonderful fit for me. I mean, along the lines of a lot of the things I've been saying already, it's about sharing ideas and engaging people and creating community, right? It's about learning new things and inspiring people to take action. Mm -hmm. And TED Talks are, to me, one of the lowest barriers to spread new ideas because we're holding events and we try to keep all of them free. They're not all, we, we try to keep them free or affordable mm-hmm. and we're asking people to come and listen, right? And I think with our 
federal government the way it is now and people feeling so polarized, it's really important to say, hey, we're here and we just want you to listen to a story and an, and an idea. And I really that really resonates with me. Going back right before TEDx, you, as we said, were the deputy director for Liz Watson's campaign uh, against uh, Trey Hollingsworth for United States Congress in this district. How did you get involved with Liz? When she was thinking about running in the summer of 17, we had mutual friends and someone said you should meet Kate because she's been on a lot of campaigns. Uh-huh. So I met Liz at that time, and I think she's great. And so eventually decided to work on her campaign. And uh, doing that work, what does the deputy director do for a congressional campaign? What occupied your day? Back, kind of back to my common theme, right? I, deputy campaign manager, could really take on any role in, in a way I filled in where it seemed necessary. And so I took on the role of managing the field operations Mm -hmm. and spent my day-to-day working with volunteers, making sure we were always recruiting volunteers and that volunteers were coming in and doing a job that was meaningful to them and training folks to go out to the doors and making making sure we were connecting with as many people as possible. So the district is pretty large, right? When you think about trying to knock on 150,000 doors. I was charged with getting networks together in each of our 13 counties. Mm -hmm. So really developing relationships and getting small operations started across the district. Again, you've brought it up, knocking on doors. That simple face-to-face meeting that people seem to think really works, even in this day and age of the Internet and social media, which everybody thinks should be the way to get your message across. Human contact is the most important thing in a community or in the world. Volunteers, a lot of volunteers would come into Liz's headquarters and be very hesitant to go knock on doors. And it's I, not easy. Right. Well, I think I would sound like a broken record. And I'm yeah, sure people yeah. said I said this hundreds of times, but it's actually pretty fun. And Oh, you, you think so? Yeah. You, wow. You get to have good conversations out there, yeah. and it's pretty energizing to be there on behalf of someone else, right, for a cause you really believe in. You start talking to someone out the door, a stranger, and... You get to know them a little, right? You say why you're there. So, oh, I'm a mother of two, and I really believe in public schools, right? And so they might say, oh, my gosh, I have four kids, or my sister is about to send her kid to school, and this is really important for us. And it really is a time to bond and get to know people you would never meet and do good work at the same time. How does anybody get in touch with your campaign? You can visit my website, kateforbloomington.org, or Mm -hmm. send me an email, kateforbloomington at gmail.com. Okay. She says change starts small. She's Kate Rosenbarger. She is running for city council in Bloomington, District 1, against longtime incumbent Chris Sturbaum. Kate, thank you very much for being on Big Talk. Thanks so much, Mike. (laughs) 